listening to Our Stories, the Australian Army on Operations podcast. This is Task Group Taji Rotation 4, a combined force of Australian and New Zealand military personnel on a training mission here in Iraq. We're here at the request of the Iraqi government as part of Australia's Operation Okra and Operation Manawar, led by the New Zealand Defence Force. So to find out more about New Zealand's contribution to the task group, I've called up with one of their soldiers to tell us a bit about your role here. I'm part of the uh, force protection team. Basically, uh, we're here to protect both the New Zealand and Australians that we're working with and other coalition forces, that's the British, the Americans and the Iraqis that we're training as well. What does your daily routine involve? Get up. Before we go out, we often make sure we do kit checks so everyone has all their right gear, everything's working, making sure we've got our seatbelts on, that we're driving in the correct order, that people are in the right vehicles, which can sometimes... <laughs> that can be a bit of a mission, making sure everyone's on the vehicle that they're supposed to be. It's pretty funny. And then doing the training, we're there to help protect the Iraqis and the, our trainers who are there with them, making sure everyone goes out safe, everyone comes back safe. Tell me a bit more about the relationships then that you see between the trainers and the people they're training. We all get on really well. We've all learnt some degree of Arabic and quite a few of the Iraqi guys can speak a bit of English. And so when we're not training, we're having conversations as you would with any guys. We try and have the best conversation we can, showing each other photos of like family and friends and talking about that sort of stuff, what jobs they've done before. I know we get on really well with them. And what kinds of things have you found out about the Iraqis when you've been working with them? You find out really interesting things, like some of the guys we've learnt that they have really incredibly, but they've learnt English purely from watching movies, no formal qualification at all, and they're actually very good at it. You know, they're just everyday people like any of us, so the conversations are all pretty normal, really. So soldiers are soldiers? I Absolutely. We're the same all around the world. But what about their stories? I imagine many of the Iraqis that you've met have had horrendous things happen to them, given what's been happening in Iraq over recent decades. Yeah, I have to admit, uh, sometimes between the broken English and the conversations, they'll show you photos on their phones and they'll be saying, like, it quite often comes up, like, this is my brother or this is my cousin, of, uh, and they're showing you photos of these, uh, their dead cousin or brothers, which is it's, that's pretty heart-wrenching. These guys have had a pretty rough time, but... Um, a lot of those guys who show you those things, you also see it generally the other more committed ones are the ones working hard on training, so it actually, they're wanting to make a change. Do you have the sense then, when you do get to know them and you do hear about what's brought them to this point, do you feel like you're really helping them? Yeah, not just that we are helping them, but sometimes you're like, oh, how can we help them more, which is thought that really wrecks my brain sometimes. Because some people back home may question whether we're really making a difference here, whether you're really making a difference here, what would you say to them? I would say the gratitude that they show, you get the thank you, but I mean, actually seeing them getting involved in the training and wanting to get involved in the training, that's obvious that they want this and that they're trying to improve themselves. Now, part of your work here, you're in a combined ANZAC task group with Australians as well as New Zealanders. What's that like? How do you all get along? Oof, oof. Yeah, I could say all sorts of funny things on that one. But uh, realistically, the truth is we get on very well. There's Culturally, there isn't that much difference between us. 
at first was a bit funny because it was a whole most of the New Zealand contingent were quite small we all knew each other quite well and then we sort of just got a whole bunch more friends essentially and we've throughout the trip it's actually been good fun meeting a whole bunch of new guys they all have very similar hobbies to us and so like we go on really well there's minimal difference between us to be honest what about when it comes to rugby do you still get on well we definitely watch the rugby games together the uh conversations that go on afterwards well that'll be the same with any sport there's definitely some of that uh friendly rivalry we'll call it that and tell us a bit more about yourself because you've been in the army for how many years sort of three and a half years now so it's not too long really and why did you join I kind of wanted to help people. Practical way of actually being able to help people. Armies don't get sent to places that are good. They get sent to places that need help. And that's what you feel like you're doing here? That's definitely what I'm trying to do here. I get to see that people are training and learning and it is actually making a difference to the work that's being done. And we should explain that we are sitting here in a garden that you've constructed because that's one thing I think people back home don't realise about Taji, where we're based just north of Baghdad, that... There's very little green here, um, very little grows, and yet you've managed in the, the short months you've been here, you've built this beautiful garden. So tell us about that. It was a bit of a shock when we first got here. Um, New Zealand, it's a pretty green place, but uh, here there was, we turned up and there is nothing. It is dust, dust, dust. It's not even sand, it's dust. And pretty early on we were like, we've got to make this place more livable. I'm pretty certain the lyrics of that song was that always take the weather with you. And I don't know, that's sort of how I felt, that we needed to bring some green or a bit more life around this place. Started attempting to construct a garden, which first started off with just some basic ammo crates. And a friend and I, we decided we were actually, we found in some deserted building a palm that was kind of growing out from a roof. And we thought, we're going to try and get up there and uh, dig this palm out and bring it back to the garden. Um, we tried to dig the palm out, and after like maybe an hour of getting absolutely destroyed, palms have very sharp spikes on them. We got pricked pretty much everywhere, <laughs> and we didn't successfully get the palm out at all. I don't think we budged it in any way, shape, or form after several hours of trying. We thought there's got to be a better way. Um, so we actually went and spoke to one of the local shop owners and just bought some plants. It was much easier. <laughs> Because it has to be said here, there is no palm, for sure, but you've got some very colourful plants here, particularly the flowers. And being fortunate enough to be your next-door neighbour here, I have to say it makes my day every morning I get up. Sometimes the sun is shining, sometimes there is a blue sky, and I come outside and I see these beautiful flowers that you've planted. You must take a lot of pride in it. It's been... A really fun little hobby doing outside of work hours, just um, everything, because I have some planter boxes here with grass in them, so everything from trimming the lawn to picking off the dead heads and making sure everything is watered, because it does take quite a bit of water to keep everything going. But the, getting the flowers is really funny, because I just asked for the shop owner, whose English is pretty good, but it's still limited on some specific words. I asked for plants, and so I just got a random array of plants, and one day he was like, do you want roses? And I was like, Okay, I'll, I'll take some roses, I guess. And then I still don't have any roses, but I have a huge array of just other random flowers that seem to come all under the title of roses. So um, <laughs> that's always pretty funny. You never know quite what you're going to get, but it still grows and there's still flowers and it's still beautiful. So it's not necessarily planned as you probably would do with your garden back home, but it's just take what you can get and try and keep it alive. And I have seen you've managed to persuade some of your 
New Zealander compatriots also come out and do some watering with you. So you're obviously managing to educate some of the other guys here around gardening. Yeah, um, I don't know how much of it's education. Actually, the watering seems to be one of the more therapeutic things. Just in the evening going through, opening up water and then just watering the garden. I think quite a few of the guys just enjoy spending a bit of time in the garden because, yeah, there is no other plants. So it lives. I thank the Lord for that one. Now, we're coming up to Anzac Day and you, along with everyone else, is going to be deployed here this year on Anzac Day. So what's that going to mean for you? I personally have relatives that were initially in that uh, Gallipoli landing, so there's those sort of significances. But then it's actually also my mother's birthday, Anzac Day, so I'm then not going to be there for that either. So So it's your mother's birthday. How does she feel about you being away? I'll definitely be uh, making sure there's phone calls and uh, at least some sort of time spent talking to her. And you mentioned about your family connections to Gallipoli, so so what are those connections? Um, I've great-grandfathers that served there and then I've obviously had grandfathers that served in World War Two and things like that. Yeah, Even my grandmother served in World War Two. So your relatives were all with the New Zealand Army or Defence Force? Yes, they were. Although my grandmother, she was actually, she was a nurse with the British in World War Two. So do you feel some sense of connection then, being here, being deployed on Anzac Day? Do you feel some sense of being part of that kind of bigger history? Yeah, definitely being deployed and serving. I've always considered that like a bit of a lineage type thing. I'm quite proud of that. Gives significance to what I'm doing. It also... I want to do a good job and I want to do the best I can and I want to then be able to pass that legacy on to potentially further generations as well. It's a bigger picture of things. It's not just... It's beyond myself, really. Do you feel like you're part of something bigger over here? Yeah, I do. There are days or times when you're standing there and you've been standing there for hours and you're like, oh, what am I doing? But realistically, over the longer term of things, you're like, yeah, we we are really making a difference here. We are actually really enjoying ourselves i mean i'm sitting in this really nice garden we've actually been eating some delicious bread the iraqis are very good cooks um and life here isn't as bad as what some people make out it to be so you would happily stay not like forever but it's not necessarily like i'm rushing to get home either i yeah missing people missing family missing friends but the actual lifestyle here isn't too bad well thank you very much this is Captain Sharon Maskeldare reporting from Task Group Taji, Rotation 4. This podcast is produced by the Australian Army and is copyright the Commonwealth of Australia. <laughs>